This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about the technology that affects us all, but few of us understand, presented in a format that can give you some basic understanding and the time it takes to drive to the grocery store. I'm Luke Covey, an independent journalist who's been writing about various technologies ranging from renewable energy to digital security for more than 40 years. I probably know more about it than you do, and if I don't, I will introduce you to those who do. Okay, so here we go with the opening episode of Crucial Tech. Uh, Before I get into uh, the main subject today, which is going to be on digital security, let's talk about what this podcast is all about. Now, we rely on technology every day. When we flip a switch as we walk into a room, we expect the lights to go on. When we open a refrigerator drawer, we expect that food to be chilled. And when we push the button on our key fob, we expect our doors to unlock. And until recently, when we sent an email to a friend or we had a phone conversation or we were shopping online, we thought all of that was private. Yeah, not so much. At the same time, as we're using all this stuff, we very few of us know how or why this stuff happens. And unfortunately, we should start knowing, at least on a basic level. Our privacy, our health, our safety, and just getting through the day or with a little incident are dependent on properly functioning, functioning technology that only one person in a million actually understands. And our elected leadership is making legislation that will regulate and proliferate the technology through the world, and they understand it probably less than we do. So that means we, the public, have to start becoming better informed and much more skeptical about the claims and potential of that technology. And that's what we hope to do here over the next few weeks. I currently write a column for an on-site publication called EEWeb called The Illusion of Security. And when it comes to the issue of digital security, we need to spend some more time making that less illusory and holding our leaders and companies accountable on the products that they they are helping proliferate. And that comes with knowledge. So let's start with the search for knowledge. Last week was a particularly bad one for um, digital security. Uh, First, we had the Supreme Court rejecting an appeal from Fiat Chrysler in a class action lawsuit over the allegations of vulnerabilities in Uh, the technology they have in Jeeps and other trucks. Uh, You might have heard about that last year when some uh, uh, research uh, research hackers actually hacked into a Jeep and were able to take control of it from the person who was driving it. Of course, that was all theoretical. It wasn't done maliciously. It was just showing that it can be done. Uh, And the company is being sued for that. Uh, they tried to stop it in the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, no, it's going to go to trial, and that is going to trial this month. And then there was a story of this little thing in the uh, Intel processors called the Software Guard Extension, uh, also known as SGX. And you'll hear about that in the interview we talked about today. It's a feature that's found in all modern Intel microprocessors that allow developers of software applications to 
isolate those applications in secure enclaves. That's what they call them. Well, a team of academics found out that you could actually use those SGS, SGX, <laughs> easy for me to say, SGX enclaves to hide malicious code from security software and therefore allow what they're calling the creation of super malware. Uh, what that means is, is that this extension that was designed to protect us from malware actually can be used to hide malware. And that was followed up with a, a story about a hole in cloud security called Cloudborn. Now, we're all using the cloud, whether you know it or not. If you use Facebook, you're using a cloud. If you buy uh, products from Amazon, you're using a cloud. If you are listening to this podcast, you are listening to the podcast from a cloud server. And these it, the, the stuff doesn't actually exist in the sky. Some people think that. But there are server farms out there that are used to rent out server space to people. Um, if you use something like Dropbox or iCloud, you are renting space in a server. And those servers are now vulnerable, according to what this research team came up with. Uh, the name of the company is called Eclipsium. They're out of Oregon. And the man I'm talking to is the Vice President of Engineering, John Lucates. So let's go over to that interview now, and I'll come back with uh, a wrap-up. Let's just ask right now, uh, is this related to what the Intel researchers uh, released last so last week on the 12th? Yeah, the tw last week. What was the name of that one? Uh, let's see. Um, team, of, team of academics has found a way to abuse Intel SGX enclaves to hide malicious code oh. from security software. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, there's been a few of them, and I forgot. I wasn't sure which one that was. Yeah. Um, yeah, the SGX thing is totally unrelated to this. <laughs> oh, crap. We got so many different things going on right now. It's pretty funny. I know. I, I was talking to my partner in Texas, you know, and, you know, I, I, uh, b before I got your stuff, I had sent him th this story from ZDNet. Yeah. And then there was, see, what's the other one I've got here? I actually know I, I know a little bit about that one, and that that's actually an interesting story too, where they're building on a bunch of research from I, I believe it was some stuff that they did in the past, yeah. and then there's other folks who have also been doing speculative execution stuff, and what they were able to do is to combine the fact that SGX hides the code and the stuff that's going on with the fact that you could also sort of spy on other processes, uh, the other things that are going on on the same CPU. Okay, uh, and it was like this is this is this is awesome <laughs> way to take all of the technologies and abuse them in just the way that that would be like a worst case scenario. Yeah. Now uh, the second question, uh, the, just to, before we get started here, is this, is what you're reporting now similar to what re you reported back in the fall of 2018 regarding microchip technology? Um, so are you thinking like the BMC work or the uh, like we had a variant of Spectre? We had, again, unfortunately, I have to ask you to clarify because there's been a okay. few. Hang, hang on a second. So, uh, so let, yes, let me, let me dig it out here. Work, but it, we've taken it to another level and have new a new 
set of impacts this time. Yeah, see, I've, I've got your press release here from, from last year. Okay. Uh, Super Micro BMC case study. Yep, that's, that's, it's actually based on that. Okay. It's also based on some of the work we did later. We, we were doing stuff with uh, bricking servers. And ah. what you're seeing is we have sort of this, this core of BMC research and UEFI firmware research. And based on these things, we're, we're sort of growing the, the amount of things you can do and the, the real impact of that work. And so, like, for example, we started with that BMC case study that you were, you were, you were referencing there. Right. And that shows some core vulnerabilities that are like, you didn't authenticate updates. Turns out that's kind of bad. So yeah. when, when you do that, um, well, what can I do? Well, the first couple of things we immediately thought of is, well, malware can do stuff. Yeah, okay. Then we went and said, you know, you can permanently brick servers. And that's kind of bad. You know, you can disrupt a whole infrastructure all at once. And now what we're doing was we're saying, you know, um, by the way, um, there's cloud providers who actually provide this as a service to multiple tenants. And now you can have an impact from one tenant to another over a cloud provider's service. So you can use, for example, a bare metal cloud. Bare metal cloud is going to give you access to this. That's sort of the point of bare metal. Um, and that's that's where you get into a really significant impact to potentially different parties. And now you can imagine scenarios of people really actually mounting an attack like this to disrupt someone else's infrastructure. Okay. Is that making sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, God. <laughs> uh, it's getting scary out there. Um, yeah. It, like for me, we what we did here... Um, I look at this and say, there's a bunch of bare metal cloud providers out there. There's the big, the big folks, you know, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, IBM. Well, IBM missed this, and they're not small. They kind of have resources. They kind of know what they're doing. All the other guys almost don't stand a chance. It's like there's there's this huge attack surface of stuff in the firmware and hardware layer. Yeah. And nobody really realizes it's there. Yeah. So you miss stuff like this, and it turns out that that's exactly the thing. Well, you know, it's 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 not that difficult to miss. You know, I I became a journalist exactly. because it, it because it didn't have a math requirement. You know, but I was doing some <laughs> math yesterday, and you and you know, the, the the industry standard on code is that you're going to have ten to fifteen errors, and in, in every twelve to uh, ten to twelve, uh, in every one thousand lines of code. Yep, so, I've heard that statistic. Yeah. So when you're looking at Android, which is right around 10 million lines of code, that means you've got 280,000 potential errors, yeah. all of which uh, are, are potential attack vectors. Yeah, that's a really nice statistic, actually. Um, make the same comparison to Linux. Linux is roughly similar to Android. Yeah. Um, you're going to have a roughly similar number of, of bugs. Um, and I will tell you that all of these components in the, in the motherboard at the hardware and firmware layer. If you think about firmware, what is firmware? Well, a lot of times firmware is Linux, not all the time, but especially in BMCs, that's pretty common. Um, And what do BMCs do? Well, they're a little computer that leaves you access to the big computer. And so they have a whole network stack. They're running services. They're putting stuff for you to manage the other computer out on the network. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's the same problem that you have with the big computer. 
just a little computer now. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that's not unlike, you know, every motherboard has, you know, about, you know, a dozen, maybe 15 different little computers like this. Yeah. And that's what we're, that's what our company is really into as far as researching. And we all kind of came from this security research background. Right. And so this is what we do with our company. This is like, this is where we base everything ourselves. Okay. So let's, let's get very basic about this. How do we know if it's because, because you're, you've just found the, uh, the insecurity in the system. How do we know if a system has been breached with this or do we know if any systems have been breached this way? So that's a really great question. Um, I don't know of any that I can confirm are breached. I'm not sure that that's happened. Okay. It definitely could happen. And based on our, our work, it probably could happen to a lot of different folks on a lot of different infrastructures based yeah. on the fact that uh, what I was saying earlier, you've got a fairly big organization with some resources that, uh, that definitely missed this. Okay. Um, and, and now what you can do is to answer your other question is do some analysis of, well, what is there? You can check the integrity of what you find if you go look. The problem is no one knows how to look. Um, that's actually what we're doing as a company is, is creating technologies that allow you to, to make that integrity assessment of all okay. of these subcomponents. Now, you've already contacted IBM about this, right? Yeah, almost six months ago and didn't get any response. Okay, well, uh, I, 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 I sent them an e their, their PR department an email and left a voicemail, and I haven't heard from them either. So I, I don't Oh, really? Okay, well, that's... And, I also haven't heard back from Google. I haven't heard back from Amazon, and I haven't heard back from Oracle. Um, however, uh, I, I did hear back from Dropbox, and I, I know Dropbox doesn't have their own cloud. I think they, they get that from AWX, don't they? I don't know, but that would probably make sense. Yeah, either that or Oracle is one or the other. Um, so they wanted to know exactly what was going on. And I told them, well, right now I don't know, but let me ask you this. How many other companies have you contacted about this? So we went to two organizations that are sort of coordination bodies. One is CERCC, which probably you've heard of. Uh -huh. um, they, they're, they're sort of part of, or somehow associated with the uh, uh, DHS and the uh, U.S. CERT. So I basically sent them a, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, here's all the stuff. Here's what we found. We think it'll affect a lot of people. Um, and then we also, uh, uh, IBM, Oracle, Intel, a bunch of other, I think Amazon, uh, a bunch of other sort of large internet companies are part of this consortium called ICASI. Um, I could spell that out for you, but I mean, if you Google ICASI, you'll find it, I-C-A-S-I. Um, they, they basically handle security um, issues that affect internet infrastructure. Uh -huh. And so we, we reported it to them as well. Also haven't heard anything back. When did you report so, it to them? Um, if I go back and look at our timeline here, we sent it on January 17th. Jesus. You've got me into prayer mode here. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little oh, bit. God. Okay. So, um, now we know how we how we know if we if we've been breached. Once we know that, how do we get rid of it? So there are it, it could be hard. 
Um, one of the things that you can do that may work is to simply update the firmware. So one of the things that I, I think we can um, uh, recommend for folks is uh -huh. to, if you do if you do get a bare metal system, maybe you should update the firmware to something that's known, something that you're expecting, and that's something that folks might do anyway. But it's not, you know, I wouldn't necessarily think of that as a security thing had I not done this research. You know what I right. mean? Okay. Um, so, for example, like we have some recommendations in our um, in our uh, blog paper here. Um, you know, you, we have it for customers, and then we have it for uh, cloud providers. Okay, can so, you send me the link on that? Um, it's not up yet, but I believe okay. it's in the package that Carrie sent you. Oh, okay. I'll take a look. You should have a draft blog, basically. So we have a okay. blog, and the draft is as a PDF. If you go to the bat, like the bottom, the end of it, we have recommendations. Recommendations for this uh, cloud surface customers. You know, you you should probably look into your provider, um, validate that servers are are free of implants. That's more what I was talking about, where you could check uh, the integrity of firmware. Um, consider reflashing the firmware on newly acquired hosts is what I was just saying, um, where you basically install a firmware update um, and then monitor for changes while you're while you're using it. Um, and that's that's sort of a, a a catch all in case, you know, somehow somebody managed to make a change. Even though you did all of these things. OK. Okay, so that's that, that's how you know. I have a feeling this is going to be a labor-intensive process because you said that even if you get it, get rid of it on the server, it can propagate throughout the entire network. Well, I mean, you have to, it has to do that before you get rid of it, obviously. But yeah, you can you you have this idea that there are hosts on this cloud service that are being reused between tenants and. Any one of them could have been compromised before, and they're still connected to networks at various points. Okay. So yeah, I mean that's possible. And the and the other idea is you don't know how many of them somebody got to or which right. ones, and so that becomes a, a difficult problem. So you're not. I agree with you. This is potentially labor intensive. Um, we are trying to create techniques to automate some of this stuff. That's okay. that's really our our mission as a company. Well, hurry up, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a demo later. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Be, it, while we're waiting for you to come up with with ways to automate this, how do we fix it? Well, to to be fair, you don't actually have to wait. We do actually have a product right now, and it's okay. Kind of so it's, it's, it's so a, go, go ahead and give you a plug. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, but that said, in the meantime, suppose that you're not already one of our customers and you're doing you're doing something. What do you do? Your best bet is well, if you're if you're if you're a cloud customer, mm -hmm. your best bet is that installing that firmware. Um, try and get everything into a known state yourself, mm -hmm. because now you're not sure about the cloud provider unless you are. If you know and you have a great relationship with your provider and you know what they're doing. Okay, fine. But if you don't, you probably want to take some matters into your own hands and maybe install these firmware yourself. Okay. Does that make sense? And then we're also saying for the cloud provider, and you know, we're sort of talking to all of those smaller providers that you know maybe don't have a whole team dedicated to this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, here's some some just bullet points of ideas of things that might really be a good idea, like 
every time you go through the reclamation process of, you know, getting back a system from somebody who's had full bare metal control of it, maybe you should be the one who does all of these firmware updates and make sure everything is in a known state. Uh, that'd be a good idea. Um, and, and just this idea of just monitoring and checking the integrity checking that I was talking about. Yeah, you read a version number somewhere. Maybe you actually want to read the whole firmware image and do a hash of that and see that the firmware image matches what you expected it to, even though the version stayed the same. Okay. Is that making sense? Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's, let's drill down a little bit here. Do you think this is going to affect the DOD's Jedi project? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know. Now, can, can I ask you a question? Did they actually award that to Amazon or was that still in dispute? No. Um, okay. All right. Let me think. Oh, actually, yeah, they they awarded it, but then they they've got a, yeah, there was a dispute about it. That's what I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that, that, that's because uh, the DoD hired a high level executive from Amazon for yeah. for that, and then that's he quit right. and went back to Amazon. That's what it was. So and they, so and so Oracle and everybody else is saying, I'm, "I'm we're suing you." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So. It really is going to depend what their actual solution is. 100% certain that it affects them in that they have to deal with this problem. They have to deal with this problem no matter who they pick and which, you know, solution they are dealing with. Different providers, like I know some folks at Amazon and they have security teams and, you know, they're big enough that they're going to have a substantial resource investment in the security of their systems. Yeah. Great. They need to have an answer to this. As long as they do, that's cool. Um, one of what, but they will have to have an answer to this. So it will affect that in some sense. Okay. Right? Yeah. Now I don't know what's going to happen if they are, if they're using Amazon or they're using Oracle or they're using somebody else, whoever they're using needs to have an answer. That was John Lucades of Eclipsium talking about the cloud-borne vulnerability in cloud servers. Um, after I put my uh, column out about this on eeweb.com, uh, there were some people that uh, kind of downplayed what the, the problem is. And I think there may be a problem in uh, an overlapping acronym. Um, there was an acronym that was used in the interview, uh, BMC. Uh, in that particular case, they were referring to a technology called the Baseboard Management Controller, which is a, a technology in servers uh, that's supposed to help manage how data is transferred back and forth. And that's where the vulnerability exists in cloud servers. Uh, however, because BMC also stands for bare metal computing, uh, some people were saying, well, this only affects bare metal computing servers. What that means is, is that the server has a hard drive in it uh, that is accessible by the, uh, the customer. And from there, a hacker can upload uh, uh, malware that can then be uploaded into the baseboard management controller and then do whatever damage they want to do. They're two different things. If a server has a baseboard management controller installed in it, 
they are vulnerable, whether they are using bare metal uh, technology, hard drives, or if they're virtualized. And we may get into a, 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 an issue about what virtualized uh, computing is, or virtual computing is. Uh, but in this particular case, um, companies that use uh, virtualized servers are companies like Amazon Web Services, uh, whereas a company like uh, Dropbox uses bare metal servers. Bare metal servers are cheaper, which means people would be interested in using those uh, just to save money. Uh, uh, virtualized servers uh, are more expensive, but they're safer because they're tougher to upload the stuff to. However, they can still be vulnerable. Uh, and that's something we need to understand about this particular issue. Now, the question remains, after we talk about that, is what can be done about this problem? Well, on a personal level, you can protect yourself by implementing two-step verification on all platforms that you can. Uh, that could be email, that could be uh, Facebook, anything that uses cloud computing. And by the way, Facebook is a cloud computing company. They just don't let you uh, subscribe to it to do all, all your computing, just on what you do there. Now, two-step verification is a pain in the butt because it means you've got to have your phone with you, you've got to check your email, you've got to do codes. But the fact of the matter is it does keep you safe. Also, uh, computer manufacturers that use Intel and ARM processors, which means everybody, uh, implemented patches to the vulnerabilities known as Spectre and Meltdown last year. Those patches significantly slow down your computer. And you may notice that once they fix that problem, that you were getting upset that things were hanging up. Uh, you can turn them off. If you go to um, uh, customer support, they will guide you through the process of turning off those uh, aspects that, that protect you against the Spectre and Meltdown vulnerabilities. I don't recommend it. I just say go out and get a faster computer. If you can do that, do that. Otherwise, don't turn off those protections. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be interviewing some technologists and opinion leaders about weaknesses inherent in digital technology. Next week, I'm going to be going to a conference in San Diego on digital security forensics, and I may be doing uh, this episode live from there, um, or the next episode live from there. Uh, but I'll also be looking into the area of artificial intelligence, which the path to uh, digital security seems to be through AI. You may have some concerns about AI. We'll get into that as well. So over the next few episodes, that's what you can expect. Uh, the next interview we do, uh, if we, we don't do the digital forensics next week, will be with a researcher at the University of Missouri who's figured out a way to build a decoy uh, using artificial intelligence. And that's going to be a fascinating discussion. So... If you have any questions or comments, uh, send them to me, Lou, at footwashermedia.com. Uh, we are broadcasting this through uh, Anchor FM, which will end up in a lot of different places. Uh, but try and stay safe out there and don't panic because it's not as bad as it sounds, but it could be better. This is Crucial Tech signing off.